Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. is out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, and that's the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord, that's, uh, that's what we'll be talking about. And we, taught, we said that these four Sundays of Advent, <coughs> excuse me, these four Sundays of Advent, we focus on themes, and some churches do it differently, but we focus on hope, and then love, today is joy, and then the last week of Advent, we focus on the topic of peace. So we're going to be looking at joy. Now, it's interesting because my children, excuse me, my children, when they were very young, one of the first verses or the first of, uh, one of the first scriptures that they learned was out of Philippians 4, 4. It was from a guy named Salty the Salter. Do you remember Salty the Salter? Some people do. It was this big blue Salter and he danced around with kids and it was, it was fun. It was fun for the kids. And, and Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now joy is one of the, we call the fruits of the spirit. Along with joy, there's love, peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Now, what's, what's interesting, verse 16, 17, and 18 says this. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's our verses for today. Verses 16, 17, and 18. So, these, these verses, these, uh, these fruits of the Spirit are, are fruit. Now, if you are, know anything about agriculture, how do you get fruit? Basically, you get fruit by leaving things alone, right? Allow them to stay where they're put. So you plant something, you plant it in the ground, you make sure that it gets lots of water and some sunlight, but you basically let it just produce the fruit. You don't coax it, you don't read songs to it, you don't have to do anything. Fruit is a natural output of something that has been planted. The fruit of the Spirit is given by the Lord. Now, it's difficult sometimes to be joyful, isn't it? Um, every day there are challenges, there are, are struggles in our life, and sometimes it's, it's difficult for us to be joy. But, but that's really happiness. That isn't joy. Joy is an inward feeling. Happiness is an outward feeling. Joy is different than happiness. Happiness is an emotion, and um, that emotion is fleeting. You can be happy one moment and sad the next. You can be happy because of happenstance. Something's happened to you. A lot of times you're happy because of something somebody else gives to you, so you're, you're happy. Uh, it's based on the happening at the time. Joy, on the other hand, is a state of being. It's more about contentment. It's about inner peace. It's about selflessness. As Christians, we believe true joy is from the Lord. Joy is directed inward. Happiness is directed outward. That's that smile on your face. Uh, you have a smile on your face one moment, but a frown the next because it's based on happenings. Since this is Christmas, we have to mention that joy and Christmas go together. The Bible tells of the shepherds in the field and the angel that brought good news of great joy. Remember that? In Luke chapter 2, we read this last week basically as the opening. It says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they, the glory of the Lord shone about them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's Luke chapter 2. 
So we have a choice each day to live by faith. And if we live by faith, we can experience that joy of the Lord. Happiness leads to sadness, can be, leads to depression. But the joy of the Lord is something that's eternal. So my sermon today is the joy of the Lord. And the scripture are these three verses. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So let's take it just one verse at a time. First of all, verse 16. Rejoice always. Now, Jesus showed us how to rejoice always. Jesus was no glum aesthetic. He wasn't like John the Baptist that was out in the, in the wilderness and ate locusts. Who wants to eat locusts, right? He ate locusts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and wrapped a belt around a camel's hair jacket. Uh, but Jesus was actually accused of being a, a drunkard, a wine bibber, okay? And a person that, that feasted too much. He would enjoy, he enjoyed weddings and feasts and, and being with people. He enjoyed having uh, dinner with people as well. Uh, Jesus was no aesthetic. Jesus understood what it was like to be joyful. In the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, he tells uh, a series of parables, and they're all about our rejoicing. Uh, they're parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son. You also know that as the prodigal son. And all three parables are similar. They teach us something about the kingdom of God. In the, in the, lost, in the lost sheep, the shepherd finds the sheep that was lost, and he says, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home and he calls his friends and his neighbors together. And he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. In the parable of the lost coin, it's similar. The woman searches the house. She's frantic because she's lost one of her coins. And she finally finds the coin. And she does the same thing that the shepherd did. She finds it. She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I've, I've found the lost coin. Jesus is teaching us that in the kingdom of God, we are to, to rejoice. And so in our scripture today, we see that we're to rejoice always. Now, the next verse, verse 17, says, Pray without ceasing. Now, I don't want to be melodramatic, but I can tell you that when I first started studying the scriptures and when my pastor shared this verse with me, this was probably 37, 38 years ago, it, it changed my prayer life. It, it literally changed my prayer life because Paul says something, pray without ceasing. And what the pastor told me when I'm telling you by extension is that Paul's not going to tell you to do something unless it's possible to do it. So pray without ceasing must mean something different than the mode of prayer that we're so used to. You know, when we think of prayer, we think of kneeling down by the bed or finding a time to close our eyes and, and fold our hands. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But Paul encourages us to do something different, to pray without ceasing. He's not talking about the manner of prayer. He's talking about a relationship that we have with the living God who's with us at, at all times. So that when we go through life, when we see friends that we know, when we are thankful for anything, when, when we're just going through life, we have a decision to make. God is, God is with us. We can pray without ceasing. So it's clearly possible to pray without ceasing. We, we walk with God. And when we walk with God, we can talk with God. And more importantly than that, we can listen to God. Let, listen, listen to God speak to you through the everyday circumstances of life as you're going through it, as you're, as you're walking the lakes, as you're walking home from church, as you're walking to your car, or just enjoying life. You're praying without ceasing. The third verse is verse 18. It says, in everything, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
Now, most of us know this because that we don't give thanks for things, right? We don't give thanks in all things for things, okay? If you get stung by a bee, you're not going to be thankful that the bee stung you, but you're going to be thankful in the situation. And I have learned that that's always possible. I mean, just use that example I gave you. I've got, I've got grandchildren. I've got a seven-year-old grandchild. She just turned seven this last week. I've got two grandsons that are twins that are seven months old. A bee stings me. I'm with my grandchildren. I'm so thankful in that situation that a bee stung me rather than my grandchildren. I don't want my grandchildren stung, so I can be thankful in all situations. This is the will of God, it says, in Christ Jesus, that you rejoice always, you pray without ceasing, and everything you want to give thanks. So let's focus for a, a few moments on the specific joy that we're talking about today, the joy of the Lord, because I really believe that the joy of the Lord is supernatural. It, it comes from the Lord because of a relationship that you have with God through Jesus Christ. So if you have this relationship with God, you have the opportunity to, to have this joy of the Lord. Now, the joy of the Lord, by definition, is supernatural. Because it's supernatural, it's present through our daily grind. It's present in our highs and our lows, our triumphs and our defeats. Now, one way of looking at this is what the Bible has to say about us, who we are. The Bible tells us that we are co-heirs with Christ, a co-heir with Christ, just as Jesus Christ was the Son of God and was now seated on the throne, we are told that we are co-heirs. That co-heirs in the Bible emphasizes two things. It, it emphasizes our relationship with God, and it also emphasizes our, our destiny, where we're headed. As, the, as we are children, okay, the Bible says that we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. It's kept in heaven for us. That's our destiny. That's 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, the joy of the Lord, however, is real joy. I'm not talking about something that's supernatural that can't be felt or touched or, or experienced. The true joy of the Lord is something that is with us and we experience it on a, on a daily base. basis. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is supernatural and it gives us the ability to face the struggles of life, every encounter. The joy of the Lord gives us the ability to face sickness, financial hardship, difficult relations, and okay, you can write this down, even aging, okay? It allows us to be able to face those things with true joy. As I mentioned earlier, joy is different than happenings or happiness because happiness, happiness has to do with happenstance. The joy of the Lord, however, is supernatural. You know, I know people that have the joy of the Lord, and they've gone through depression. They've gone through substance abuse. They've gone through infidelity. But still, they come out on top. And the reason they come out on top is because of that, the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord, not, it's not going to steal their joy. So while God is faithful, are there steps that we can take to make sure we don't lose our joy? Well, of course. Every sermon has good three points, so here's my three points. Step number one. The way to experience the joy of the Lord is step number one, we abide in him. Jesus tells us that in John 15. Now, this word uh, abide is an old English word. It's not a word that we use very often. It has the connotation of dwelling, of being alongside, of enduring something. But the best way to understand what it means to, uh, to abide with the Lord is to hear what the Lord had to say. Jesus says this. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
Then verse 5 continues. He says, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gathered them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. You'll be my disciples. You know, it's interesting. I remember years ago when my, my grandparents lived in the city of Chicago. And they had one of these two flats. Actually, it was a three flat at one time. And then they moved to a two flat. And in the back, they had a little tomato garden. That's what they planted. They had this little tomato garden. And I loved tomatoes as a kid. It was just my favorite fruit. I just loved tomatoes. And in Chicago, you've got to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait for them to finally get red, you know, to get ripe. Here in Florida, we have them, you know, 12 months out of the year. But in Chicago, you've got to wait until end of August, September before they're finally getting red. Well, the problem is, is that in Chicago, by the time they're getting red, you're likely to have the first frost. So my grandmother, as soon as she heard there was a frost, she would go out and she would cut all the tomatoes off of the plant. To my shock and horror, because I was waiting for these tom tomatoes to get red. Because, and this is, the, this is the idea, is that when they're abiding on the plant, they're going to get juicy and they're going to get red and it's going to be wonderful fruit. When she takes them off the, the plant, they may ripen on the sink. But the best thing she could actually do with them is pickle them and keep them green. I mean, that's what she did with them. But that's the example of abiding on the vine. Jesus says, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. Stay close to Jesus. This is the way that we truly experience what it means to have the joy of the Lord. You know, this last week, if you were with us in our Bible study, in fact, I'd encourage you, join our Bible study at, at, at 11 o'clock uh, right here in the same room. Um, we were studying the, the church of Laodicea. It's one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And this church thought it was, it was hot stuff. I mean, they were wealthy. They were rich. They didn't need anything. One of the things I taught in the Bible study class was that they had had an earthquake. And they decided that they didn't need the help from Rome, from Washington, D.C., to be able, they could build the city back themselves because they were so wealthy. But Jesus looked at them. You see, they weren't abiding in Christ. And Jesus looked at them and he said, you think that you're wealthy, but I tell you that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. What, a, what, a, what an accusation for this church that thought they had everything together. This is, the, this is the opposite of what it means to abide in Christ. Going to church, for example, won't help you abide unless you actually remain on the vine. There's a lot of people that go to church, but you need to remain on the vine. Listen to Jesus and speak to Jesus and allow him to, to speak to you. Step number two, pray through the scriptures. Pray through the scriptures. Now, you may have heard this term before, but I'm going to tie it in with what we just said about praying without ceasing. See, it's one thing to be able to read the Bible, but when you understand that you're praying without ceasing, meaning that you're praying at all times, when you pick up the Bible and you open it up to a scripture verse and you begin to read it, the Lord is with you. And if the Lord is with you and you're praying without ceasing, you're not just reading the scriptures, you're also praying through the scriptures. You're in the presence of God at all times. So because you're in the presence of God, the author of all 1,189 chapters, the author of all 66 books of the Bible, you can, you can pray through the scriptures. 
Perhaps when you uh, read the Bible, it doesn't do much for you. It just kind of sits there on the pages. I remember that myself. I remember that it was difficult for me to read the Bible. I, I didn't get a lot out of it. I, I knew that I should, but I wasn't getting much out of it until I really allowed the Lord to kind of speak to me. When I realized that the Lord was present, that this, these books of the Bible, these letters were written to me as a believer, it changed things. All of a sudden, I understood that the Lord was actually speaking to me. And if you do that, you'll fall in love with these inspired letters from God. Letters from God to you, to the church, to the, to the people of God. In the scriptures, for example, you can start with Genesis and all the way through the book of Revelation. You can see the scarlet thread of redemption that Jesus, that Jesus was promised as the Savior to mankind, going all the way back to the, to the book of Genesis. If you really want to experience the joy of the Lord and understand that you can pray through the scriptures, you may want to memorize some of the scriptures. You know, last week we talked about John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Well, that's an easy verse to remember. That's a, you've memorized that verse, no doubt. With a little bit of help, you can start memorizing some other verses. And those verses will come to you in the time of need. That's the idea of abiding in Christ and, and being present with the scriptures and praying through the scriptures. You, you memorize them. Let's go on to step three. Step three is to be thankful in all occasions. Now, I'm using that from, from, uh, from verse 18. It says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, in... In the world's way of looking at things, they look at us as if we're foolish. Because how can you be joyful in difficult situations? Because again, they're confusing joy with, with happiness. When things are good, when life is easy, when we're getting what we want, the world says, be happy, and then you can be thankful. But when times are tough, when life gets real, when things just aren't going right, when you get the call from the doctor and it's not as you had hoped, there are still times to be thankful because of the promises of God. See, the Bible has something entirely different to speak to us and tell us than the, what the world is telling us. The Bible is, is full of hope. It speaks of the unshakable promises of God, the certainty of eternal life, the countless blessings that are ours today, and then we have the hope for the future. There are sufficient reasons that we have to give thanks in all occasions. In Christ, we can certainly say yes and amen to the teachings of Paul. Paul said, in everything we're to give thanks, as this is in keeping with the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So those are my three steps. But wouldn't you know that those steps are long, so I'm going to make it as easy as possible for you. You'll even see it in your bulletin. We're going to give three ways to remember to be joyful. Three ways, and they're just three words. How easy is this? The first word, trust. We remember to trust in God even when we have reason to doubt. God has proven to be faithful. God revealed himself to Moses as the Lord, the Lord of God that's merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So the first word is trust. Now the second word is interesting. It's give. But I could have easily said share because what God wants you to give often is of yourself. I remember I was a, I was a fool. Um, I was working so much that I was neglecting my family. I thought I was giving them the financial um, security that they needed, but what my children needed at 15 and 16 years of age is they needed to have a dad that was present. I needed to give of myself. And often, 
The Bible says that we're to give as the Lord has given to us. As the Lord gives to you, you have the ability to, to share with others. The Lord entrusts us with the gifts that we have. And our job is to be willing to share. The third is easy. The third is train. You know, when you hear an Alfredo or you hear the kids and they practice and they hear this, they say, how does Alfredo know how to play all that music? I mean, he's got, he's a one-man band. He's got rhythm coming in and he's got courses coming in. and lead. He trains just like an athlete. You see, to turn on the Olympics and you watch these Olympians flip around and do all different kinds of things. And you, you say, what amazing talent. Well, that's true. But they, they train. We train in order to be joyful always. We, we learn this, okay? Um, next week, starting this Wednesday, in fact, we're going to start handing out our daily devotionals. Our daily devotionals that start in January, February, March. If you've never used them before, it's a great way to train yourself. You have the devotional in front of you, and you turn to that day. It's really easy. If it's, if it's Tuesday the 13th, you turn to Tuesday the 13th, and you read the devotional for the day and the scripture verse. It's a way of training ourselves in order to spend time, quality time, with the Lord. We train. You know, Jesus devoted three years of his earthly ministry um, to us, but he trained 12 apostles. He spent the time training them. And they, if you read it, they, they never got it right. I mean, he was, he, you can imagine Jesus shaking his head because he's been with them for so long and they still misunderstand about the kingdom. They're, they're still arguing about themselves who's going to be great in his kingdom. But Jesus spent the time training his, his disciples. So, the Bible says to be joyful always. Our scripture today on this third Sunday of Advent was simple. Three verses. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord. You're, you're so good to us. We thank you. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of faith dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.